And all of God's people said, I think we ought to celebrate God. Let's give him a hand. I know there are some religious traditions that think it's sinful to applaud in church, but we'll just have to get over that, okay? Because clap your hands, all you peoples. Uh, Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Amen? Amen. And uh, I think that's in order. I'm going to move this because I'll put my nose on it by accident probably. So if you have your Bibles and you want to open up, uh, you'll find uh, we're in that portion of Nehemiah today. And even the title should be a giveaway that there's got to be a little positive and negative involved. Look at this. Honorable and dishonorable mention. There is such a thing. Amen? And uh, I'm glad you're all here today. Are you glad you're here? Okay. It's not even raining. I mean, what more do you want? Yes, thank you. You're getting it down, right? I have somebody up here going, yes, Pastor John. <laughs> I want to talk about some practical, I think, and usable things in our spiritual lives. That's my goal as a shepherd, of course, is to instruct us. There's a little bit of it in today's passage, but I kind of wanted to ride the wave of uh, since I... I uh, took the assignment here, and people have been kind of encouraged, and uh, we've been looking forward to see what God's going to do. I've been trying to speak into the rebuilding process using the book of Nehemiah. I hope some of you have taken the time to just read maybe the first six chapters. That's all you need to read, really, to get the main gist of it, is the first six chapters. It wouldn't take you more than like 20 minutes, probably. So let me encourage you to do that, just to get the broader picture of what's going on behind the scenes when you get a chance to do that. And I'm setting the stage using that text for continuing church recovery. Just so you know, today uh, we'll be talking about this, honorable and dishonorable mention. Next week, we'll celebrate a little. There's a celebration coming in the book of Nehemiah. That's later on, because they succeed. They build the wall. In fact, we're going to reference that verse today, and people are psyched about it, and so they give God glory, and we'll uh, celebrate a little together, and uh, even though it might seem premature, but we'll have communion next week, so there's always a reason for celebration, right? When we uh, just sang about the grace of God that reaches us, that's always in order to give thanks. Then we have a missionary coming. Then we're in the Christmas season. Can you believe it? And everyone's saying, please don't talk about it. I didn't even find out how many shopping days you have left. I don't, you know, who cares, right? And, uh, and then we're going to set in in earnest in uh, setting things in order and putting blocks in place like we talked about last week, my little block illustration. You, know, you all like that? Oh, thanks. <laughs> Shucks. And, um, and uh, then we'll have a, um, a, uh, an installation service. I think that's appropriate. It's a good time of worship and affirmation, I think, of us to each other and to God. Amen. So, I know I sound like a, I sound like a Pentecostal pastor here, right? Saying amen. I'm asking a Pentecostal sister from her background to see if that's okay. I think it is. I hope so. Okay. So we're all in a happy mood. We're all kind of pleased, you know, like what's God going to do? And he's already at work. There are some things happening. It's kind of fun. So I want you to be prepared for what's ahead. both good and bad, because there always is, right? 
Uh, we're in a culture, uh, let me speak just for a minute about our, our culture. We're in a culture that really doesn't care a whole lot about eternity. We don't. Now, when, when I got born again, that was way back, 1971, people were interested about that. Back in the 50s, 60s, and the early 70s, how do I get to heaven? What is that all about? What happens after I walk through this door called death, which every human being will? These days, people don't really care that much. Young people are more interested in what kind of cause are we going to get involved in and make happen that's worth our while, that makes life better for other people. And so, and, and by the way, I think that's valid because when Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly, he's talking about improving both situations, both eternity and the here and now. My life is changed by the grace of God. That's improved, but also as a saint, my job is to help improve other lives as well. We're not on this trip by ourselves. We want to take others with us. But the fact is that behind the scenes, we are, whether we're affecting lives here and now or simply bringing people into that relationship that aims us toward heaven, there is an eternal work that we are engaged in as disciples. We're engaged in that. It's a forever project. We talked a little bit about the fact that over this weekend, seven young people made a commitment, and, uh, and uh, not just young people, by the way. And there's some things happening, and that's part of our job, is to bring people into the family of God, get them solid and discipled and bring new peeps into the family and get them engaged in exercising their gifts and finding out why they were made because God did have something in mind when he made us. Anybody interested in those things? Yeah, it's all cool. And when we're in that process, that's the business of the church is bringing people into the family of God, discipling them, helping them to become reproductive, going out and sharing at other places, other countries, planning the church. The church then repeats the process. That's the way it's supposed to go. And I've said it before, in other places in the world, in America, it can be a little bit discouraging when you look around, but if you were in some places in Africa or in South America today or in Asia, you would see the church growing so fast it would make your head spin. Say, how do they keep up with that? How do they get elders in place? How do they get pastors? It's simple. A guy's been saved four months. He's the pastor. (laughs) Yeah, anyway, so there you go. There are positive rewards, and there are things that God is asking us to think about into the future, both the here and now future and the forever future. So let me bring up a spiritual movie. That's part of my job, I know. And this one is one that's very old. Anybody know this particular film? Oh, you guys are good. The Magnificent Seven, stolen from a Japanese samurai movie, I'll have you know. By far one of the greatest art films ever made by Akira Kurosawa. But this is the American version. You see Yul Brenner dead center. There's James Coburn over there. Uh, Bronson before he became famous, you know. And uh, Robert Vaughn, who was the man from Uncle for all you old people who remember that. And who was the other uh, young guy? Yeah. No, no. Who? Steve McQueen, this is where he got his, I think this is one of the places he got his big start. And by the way, if you do any studying on the filming, it was really kind of funny because Steve McQueen drove Yul Brenner crazy. He was, he was just like a, a, you know, a 
an ADD kid. That's what he was like. So anyway, great movie. You know what the story is? It's very simple. There's a village in Mexico right over the border that is constantly oppressed every year by a group of banditos who run through town, led by Eli Wallach, by the way, Caldera. And he would come through and they would steal all their food and ransack their place. And these poor villagers put up with this every year and they didn't know what to do. When they finally come to the breaking point, they say, what should we do? And the old man in the village says, fight. Now, a few of the farmers are like, what? No, fight. Well, we don't know how to use guns. Then go hire guns. And so they go over into Texas and they find some gunslingers and they offer them a profound amount of money, a couple of watches. and so, I mean, nothing. But that's why they're called the Magnificent Seven because these seven gunslingers who usually make a lot of money in their business go on the basis of honor to rescue this village. It's a great story. But there's one character in there. This is a kind of grainy photo. There's uh, Yul Brenner, who's the brains of the uh, outfit. And the, uh, the villager sitting in the front with his hat on his knee. There's a great scene in that film where they finally have the showdown with the, with the banditos, and there's a gunfight. And after the gunfight, the bandits run for their lives. And couple of the gunslingers and this man are talking. And he said, I bet you're right about now you wish you hadn't gotten started with this. You know, because there's going to be some collateral damage. I bet you you wish you hadn't gotten started. And this man says, well, yes, when I think of what he might do to us. But no, when I saw them running from us, when I saw them running from us, that was a feeling worth dying for. Whew. Well, I'm not in a hurry to die, but I'll tell you something. When you see the kingdom go forward and the enemy lose his hold in people's lives, that's a feeling worth dying for. If you've never experienced, you're missing your whole reason for being here. I don't mean we're all directly engaged, but we're all participants. And that's what I want to encourage us about, that we all have a part. And that there's duties and parts that we participate in. Sometimes we're the direct line. We're the evangelist types. Sometimes we're the ones who help establish an atmosphere that is welcoming to people. God needs all of those people to make it work. And when it happens, we do not miss out on our created purpose. In fact, I just want to look at the eternal view just for a second before we look at Nehemiah. Uh, do you remember the guy that wrote the, um, the prayer of Jabez, Bruce Wilkerson, right? Wilkinson, Wilkerson, Wilker or Wilkin? I can't remember. Wilkerson. He did a little series. There were three of them. One of the books, pretty much neglected, was about eternal rewards. It was very interesting to look at what the great saints and what the scripture says all together about what we can expect when we get to the other end? Are there differences of glory and differences of honor and rewards? And Yes. But here's the encouragement for all of us as Christians. Look what it says in Revelation. I heard a voice from heaven saying, right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit, they will rest from their labor for their deeds follow them. Isn't that cool? 
the technology in heaven is way better than anything you've ever seen. And it's recorded. And our deeds follow us permanently documented. Yay! And on the negative side, whoa! <laughs> the only thing I can say about standing before God, my wife has a great expression, we're all going to be on our faces when we're there. Number one. <laughs> Number two, I'm so thankful that then I shall be perfected so I can get over myself when I have to face it all. <laughs> and you'll be glad too. Okay. I hinted last week that we all want to participate, but that I don't want anybody wearing themselves out with labor, and we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning out of Nehemiah, but the fact is there are some people who overdo it. You know, they're burning themselves out, if you know what I mean. And uh, that's not necessarily honoring God. The goal we want to get to is where everybody's doing their part. Everybody lays hands on a few bricks, and we're all able to actually have a good night's sleep and enjoy what we're doing and not feel stressed. Now, it might take a little while to get there because we got to get the wall up. But that's where we want to go. We don't want to, you know, I know every time we talk about building, moving the kingdom forward, there are some of us who are doing so much, it's like, how oh, can I fit one more thing into my life? And I understand that completely. The way you fit another thing into your life is probably not. Or you have to offload some things out of your life because they're the wrong priorities and put the good ones in. But enough on that. We all want to earn well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? We do. We do. Deep down, if we're born again, that man of Jesus that's in us wants that for the Father and for ourselves. So... All right, here's what the scripture tells us. We're looking on our sheet. If you have your sheet from your bulletin, you'll see that there's mentions. First of all, the first mention is, blessed are those who die in the Lord because their labors follow them, right? But there's also a negative side. These uh, people in the book of Nehemiah are facing an overwhelming project. And Harmony, I told you, I, I said, we got like one chance in three on this. We have an overwhelming project. It can get discouraging. You start putting brick upon brick, and then you look down the row, and you see how many feet you have to still cover, and it's like, oh, I'm out of gas already, and it's not even noon. And there's work to be done. You get discouraged. Well, the people in Nehemiah's day were feeling the same thing, so their worship team wrote a little ditty for them. And here it is. Oh, can't do it. Thus in Judah it was said, the strength of the burden bearers is failing. There is much rubbish. We ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. Isn't that encouraging? <laughs> little cheer ditty, you know, for the worship team to sing. Let's all sing this together. We're done. We can't do it. We're just finished here. <laughs> no, it's just realism. Saying, this is a really hard task. Here's what I like, though. Look, we ourselves. Ah, there's the catch. Because thankfully, we're not by ourselves. So let me just say, as a pastor, I'm inviting you into ministry, real, eternal work. Ministry can be tough. It's tough to work at making time for people, winning people to personal faith, discipling them along with all their questions, confusions, bad habits, sinful stuff. Some of them flake off. That's one of the most discouraging things I ever see, you know? They make traction, then they flake away. And they're like, you call me, call me, call me. 
don't get nothing. You know, it's like discouraging. Then they'll even sometimes turn on you. Have you ever invested heavily in someone who turned on you? Hello. Most discouraging. And some of it is ahead of us. We may grow weary. Sometimes people treat us rudely. Sometimes, oh, this has never happened to you. You feel unappreciated. You get bullied. You're insulted. I mean, the ministry just requires some internal work to be able to endure all this stuff. It just does. And we'll be talking and sharing some good secrets to how to get on top of those kind of things. You know, it's like, yeah, they, they, you know, that guy just insulted me, didn't he? Hmm, oh, well, <laughs> off we go. Yeah, yeah, right. No, it can work that way. It really can. But it's just hard. And on top of that, we got this adversary called Satan who's going to tell you how you're doing a rotten job and you stink and you're unspiritual and just why don't you just forget it? Why are you wasting your time with that? And then you've also got your flesh telling you, why don't you go on vacation for the rest of your life? See, I've been hearing that one a lot. But, you know, but I have to choose no. My flesh wants it. Oh, you have a right to be offended because he insulted you. So hate him for the rest of your life. And uh, the last time I ever helped with the Thanksgiving meal or, blah, 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 or whatever it is, fill in the blanks. It's just tough. So let's look in Nehemiah at some of the honorable mentions, and then we'll look at some of the dishonorable mentions, just for the fun of it, okay? And this will go pretty quickly. Here we go. Ready? The first one, my screens aren't working. Here we go. There we go. Next to him, the whole third chapter is all about the builders. Next to him, Shalom, the son of Halasheth, the official of half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs. He and his daughters... Now, remember, this was a completely male-dominated culture. And look at them. You know what that tells me? God is an equal opportunity employer. <laughs> it's like freedom, no boundaries. These girls are grace grabbers. You know what I'm saying? Let's do this. And they get special mention in the Scripture. Isn't that cool? By the way, it's not the only time in the Old Testament this kind of thing has happened. It's, it's all over in there. We have some really weird thinking sometimes. So he's an equal opportunity employer. People from all kinds of backgrounds. Gender, history, nationalities, language groups, sin backgrounds. When you have the privilege of leading people into obedience to Christ from practicing prostitution, for example... Is there room for grace to utilize that person? You bet your sweet bippy there is. <laughs> That's the first guy. I like him. Shalom and his daughters. All right, second one. After him, Baruch, the son of Zabai, zealously repaired another section. By the way, you know what that word there, zealously, means furiously. You ever get in the way of somebody who works furiously? It's the word for zeal, intensity, you know? Uh, it's the same root word for, you know, the kind of word for zeal or, or um, even raging. Now, it doesn't mean he was angry. It means he's just one of those go-getters. We have some of those around here. I've seen you. You know, they just go. And especially those who are not only goers and doers, but they are so encouraging. 
They're encouraging. You just like being around them. There are some people I like being around. They speak life to me. Not the, not the pseudo-religious, oh, we know that God works all things for good. You know, your dog just got ran over. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that God works all things for good. Thank you. Can I work something for good on you right now? You know, that's not what I need. I need somebody to encourage me. And those who are up and zealous and have a can-do, God can help us with this spirit ministers to me. I had an uncle who was in ministry, and he was always on the other side of the country from me. And nevertheless, he would get reports about what was happening in our lives, and he would call me, and for whatever reason, he would... Now, you've got to realize, I come from a broken home, fatherless, a lot of um, passive-aggressive stuff in my family, and he would always say, man, you're doing a great job over there. My reaction was, how do you know? Talk about positive. How would you know? You're wrong. You know. He was actually right. God was doing a great thing. I didn't even appreciate it half the time. I didn't understand. But he was always speaking light to me. For some reason, growing up, whenever he was around, I wanted to be near him. You need some of those Baruch son of Zabai who are furious about the kingdom. You need some of them, right? Here's another one. After him, the Tekoites repaired another section. Let me just, what happened? Where is it? No, no, it's me. It's me, Bob. I'm, I'm fooling. I didn't press the little button. See, if you press the little button, the next screen comes. Sorry. Giving him his exercise for the day. Here we go. After him, the Tekoites repaired, look at this, another section. This is verse 27. Way back in verse 5 that we'll look at it in a minute, he was doing Uh, They were doing another section. These are the out-of-towners who had thrown their lot in with the Jews and said, let's build the wall because this wall represents security. It represents the honor of God and all of that. We've already talked about that. And so they jumped in on another section in front of the great projecting tower and as far as the wall of Ophel. There's something about this because we don't know how big those two sections were, but here's here's some brothers maybe some brothers and sisters that are working double shifts. They're putting in the extra time. These are the ones you have to watch out for because you have, up at our, our old church, my executive pastor used to say, we need to flag some people. You know what that means? little red flag means watch out because they're going to burn themselves out. Now, by the way, I'd rather have to flag about half of you then use the, you know, <laughs> what, what? You're looking at me like, what? Okay, is it they're doing too much? Maybe. Or is it they're healthy and the other ones aren't able to? Well, let me be honest, let me answer that question. That's a great, those of you who couldn't hear the question, are they doing too much or are they healthy? In this case, they're healthy. Why? Because this was a critical mass project that had to be done now. And they rose to the occasion, did double shifts and made it happen. Okay? Now, if they do that all the time, they probably need to be flagged and watched out for. But the point is, their heart is right. So we have three honorable mentions, right? The grace grabbers, we have the, the zealous, furious workers, and we have those who even do double duty. These are the very willing type saints. So, let me just read to you 
a New Testament version of this because it is in the Scripture in a number of places. But I just would like to park on Romans, the 16th chapter. And just let me read. You don't have to turn there unless you really want to, 552. But here's what it says. Listen to this. And again, equal opportunity employers. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, Paul writes, who is a servant, deacon, by the way, that's the word. It's a deacon in the church which is in Sancria, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and that you help her in whatever she may have need of you, for she herself has been a helper of many and of myself as well. In other words, what he's saying is, I'm sending this leader to you, and when she tells you to get this stuff put together, do it. You didn't notice that passage very often, did you? Let's move on. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, for whom, for my life, they risk their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles, all the places they have discipled people. We know that Priscilla and Aquila were excellent disciple makers. They're the ones that pulled Apollos off to the side and discipled him. Did you know that? Priscilla and Aquila. Special mention. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, outstanding among the apostles. Greet the workers in the Lord. Greet Persis, the beloved, who has worked hard in the Lord. And over and over you find these special mentions. Now, can I be honest? It's too late for you to be specially mentioned in this record. <laughs> too late. But it's not too late to be mentioned in the eternal record. While there's life, there's hope. And even if you've missed your opportunity up to today, why don't you change your destiny? Participate. Then there's the dishonorables. Oh, boy, now I'm going to get ugly. You can tell, right? Here it comes. First one. In the next section was replaced by the men of Tekoa. Remember? Two places they worked. The men of Tekoa. That's them again. But look what it says. Their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. New International Version there. So the men were working, but their aristocratic, maybe they were the business leaders in the community, maybe they were, you know, nobility of some sort. They lived in Tekoa. We don't know why. It was recommended, possibly in a lot of the commentators, that maybe because of the connections, and if you read the passage, you find there are some intermarriage connections with some of these scoundrels that uh, they were afraid to go work in Jerusalem because it might mean a fight over where they live. That may be starting trouble. That might be, it might be too risky, and I don't want the tires on my car slashed. Which, by the way, I know a guy that was ministering in the inner city and came out of a night of disciple-making and had his car tires slashed. But that's, that was my last point, so I just blew the whole sermon. Let's, let me pray. We'll all go home. No. No, you want me to finish? Okay. All right, so we don't know if that was it or maybe this captures it, and I think this really is it. The, um, what version is this? The New Jerusalem Bible says this. The men of Tekoa carried out their repairs next to them, though their nobles would not demean themselves to help their masters. And it is questionable whether the last word, supervisor or master, it's the word for Lord. It may be a reference to the Lord. So we don't know exactly. But 
They wouldn't demean themselves. I'm sorry, I just don't have time for that. So let me tell you who these are. These are the consumers. Churches are full of consumers today. I come to church because of what I can get. You can get your hands on uh, Rayner's book. I am a church member, and the whole point of that book is don't be that. Have, a, have something. Have at least one brick that you're carrying. doesn't matter how small or big. I don't really care, but do something. Maybe all I can do because I'm confined at home is pray for the church. Well, then do it. Amen. But don't be a consumer. There are weights around the necks of pastors and ministers that try to accomplish kingdom work. Uh, Rayner, we get his, um, his uh, publications and all. He wrote the book on uh, membership. What uh, some church members really mean when they say they want their church to grow, Gesundheit. They want growth in their church unless I lose my parking spot and my seat in the worship center. By the way, you don't own a seat in this worship center. And when we change these pews, you really won't own the seat anymore. <gasps> You're going to check? Yes. Unless I lose my parking spot and my seat in the worship center. It's okay if we grow as long as that doesn't happen. By the way, last week we were praying in here in the sanctuary at, at the end of the night. And uh, one of our sisters was praying. She's related to you. And she said, Lord, thank you that uh, I came in the parking lot this morning and I had to look for a parking place. Aren't you glad that was her reaction? And how, who took my spot? Well, I never. And by the way, can I encourage you, if we're running short of spots, park out as far as you can if you're a regular. As the pastor, I used to do that way out and hike in. Unless I have to spend a lot of money on those people, unless the new people mess up my current fellowship circles, I hope they do. I really do. We need new fellowship circles, new believers who are coming into our family. Unless we have to change the facilities in any way to accommodate growth. Oh, please. Anyway, you get the idea. The consumer wants it all their way. I'm trying to read what I'm saying here. Five letters. I hate when that happens. Oh, I know. You want to read something funny? Uh, we, we, got, we got this other one. It was 25 silly things church members fight over. You want to hear it? I ain't reading all 25. We'll be here all morning, and that ain't worth It's just not worth it. But this was a good one. This, this is a really good one. A church argument and vote to decide if the clock in the worship center should be removed. A vote. A fight over which picture, picture of Jesus to put in the foyer. Now, Rainer asked a great question. I wonder who took the pictures. <laughs> How can you fight over? We don't know what he looked like. Come on. Holy mackerel. Well, I know it's the, the liberator picture. I know that's the right one. Anyway, sorry. You guys got to get out more. Anyway. Oh, here's a, here's a good one. I was just looking at an old picture of my, I have a beard. When I grow in my beard, which I will at least once while I'm here, a petition to have all church staff clean shaven. Here's the best one. A dispute over whether the worship leader should have his shoes on during the service. 
Now, we're not in California where that would be a real problem because they don't wear shoes. Formal means you wear socks. And uh, by the way, he said, I vote for shoes, shirts, and pants. <laughs> oh, this was, there was one other good one. Um, a bunch of members left a church because somebody in their group hid the vacuum cleaner. Can I just say that um, if those are the things we're fighting over, first of all, you need help. And second of all, we could care less whether an entire community goes completely to purgatory. And there is no purgatory, so you know what I mean. We have lost our vision of why we're here and where the battle really is. So those are consumers. The second group are the opposers. And here's what it says. Um, whoops, did I skip one? No. Here's his reaction. Remember, O oh my God, Tobiah and Sanballat, according to these works of theirs, and also Noadiah the prophetess, and the rest of the prophets who were trying to frighten me. Here's the story. Nehemiah is building the wall. These characters that we read about, Sanballat, Tobiah, they're sending letters to Nehemiah. Five times they send a messenger and say, we need to meet on the plain of Ono, a nice place where they have a resort center. It's a great setting for a summit. And so, come on down, let's talk about this. And Nehemiah's reaction has been, I'm in the middle of something busy here. I'm in the middle of something important, and I don't have time to mess with you. Five times they keep saying, oh, come on down to the plain of Ono. And as my old pastor used to say, say, oh, no, no, to the plain of Ono. Oh, no. <laughs> he says, no, 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 he doesn't go down. So finally they've had enough, and they send this open letter that is an intimidation. We're going to look at that in a couple of minutes. But what it says is, you're planning to become king. You're building the wall so you can rebel against the empire. You're going to be anointed king. You're going to run the whole place. You're a little sneak pot. We're going to rat on you. So why don't you come down and talk to us about this so we can get the story straight if this isn't true? Nehemiah says, no deal. And what happens is because he won't listen, they even start working the angles with their Jewish friends, their fellow church members. They start working the angles, you see. Oh, oh, oh. You, you have a prophetic, you know, you're, you're, a, you're, a, you're a pastor, brother. You know how to counsel people. So I want you to meet with Nehemiah and tell him, listen, somebody's out to kill you, so go hide in the temple. And Nehemiah said, if I go and hide, everybody's going to get discouraged. Now, let's stand firm. And that's when he prays, remember, oh, my God, these characters and their works. And also, Nodiah, the prophetess, and the rest of the prophets, these were Jewish prophets who were going along with the enemy. Don't listen to them. Opposers, whether they're outside or inside. And, of course, they're going to be outside, but how bad it is when it's inside. I know of a brother right now called to ministry who's basically going to end his career because he was in a church where it didn't go well and he had to leave and now he's gathering some of the people from that original church and yik, 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 yik. this is what two-year-old Christians do. He's basically shooting himself in the foot. 
It's not your job to undermine another man's ministry. Don't you know what Jesus said to his disciples? We saw these guys casting out demons in your name, but he's not part of our discipleship club. He's not doing our Bible study. And Jesus said, leave him alone. Let him do his thing. None of your problem. Mind your own business. If God raises it up, who are you to oppose it? If God's against it, don't have to do anything to end it. God will take care of it. The real defeat is that the insiders listen. But the cool part for me is Nehemiah is on the ball. I perceive that surely God had not sent him, but he uttered his prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Oh, listen, brother, I'm really concerned for you. Uh, you know, if you keep doing this, these people may get upset with you. And I discerned this is straight from the pit. Not listening. They tried to get him to sin. Brothers and sisters here at Harmony, I want to encourage you, watch yourselves. It's Christians that will screw you up. It's Christians. Sometimes well-meaning, sometimes totally corrupt. But will get you to actually end up opposing God if you're not on your game. The worst problem are the insiders who compromise. In this case, it was because there was some intermarriage, there was friendships, there was fear of broken relationships. Whatever the reason was, we're holding back. Hired can be more than just money. It can be because I have pets, I have favorites, I have protected areas of my life. Oh, you can't speak about that because so-and-so is totally immersed in it, and you know he's a treasurer. By the way, not you. I'm, not, I'm making that up. I made that up. Jim. <laughs> <laughs> so they were They were trying to manipulate to oppose and discourage the work. You do know that um, alignment is a critical thing. We've talked about alignment before, and uh, I won't park on it right now, but all it takes when, a, when, a, when a, a group of people are rowing a boat, all it takes is one person who's determined to go someplace else than where they're trying to head. And that one or operating will send me off course just enough. So we looked at Rainer's little list of silly fights. And the fact is what, what uh, Tobiah and Sanballat were trying to do was get others who should be building the walls to become part of the complaint brigade and discourage everyone. Here's the last one. I'm going to end with this. Haters. That's the last group. There's consumers, there's opposers, and then there's just outright haters. Thankfully, we don't meet a whole lot of them, but there are people who are just dead set against Christianity. Have you noticed? There are those who are against it. They don't mean to be hateful sometimes. They just are resistant. Sometimes they don't even know what Christianity is about. They believe in a caricature of Christianity, but they're against it because they don't know any better. So I already told you the story of how they made up a story about Nehemiah, that he was trying to rebel against the king. Nehemiah gets on top of that, realizes what's going on, and says this. I sent a message to him saying, such things as you are saying have not been done, but are, you are inventing them in your own mind. All of them were trying to frighten us, thinking they will become discouraged with the work and will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. There are going to be times that there will be opposition directly relating to preaching the gospel and advancing the kingdom. It happens. 
Frankly, I'd much rather have that kind of opposition than inside opposition. I'd rather have it be clear that the enemy is ticked off that we are pushing against his boundaries. So they'll make up lies. They'll spread half-truths. It's usually half-truths, by the way. It's not out-and-out lies. It's usually something they get a hold of, and they twist it. And they try to intimidate us. They try to push back on it. If you do that, if you start that ministry over there, we're going to sue you. Okay. Anybody can sue for anything. Go ahead. Or they'll slash your tires, as I mentioned. Or they'll rob your house. I remember a great story. Anybody ever heard of the Tappan Zee Bridge? <laughs> Tappan was the name of a committed Christian who lived down in Manhattan who was standing for the sake of the gospel for the rights of African Americans, and a mob burned his house to the ground simply because he stood for the truth. There are times that haters come out of the woodwork and oppose the kingdom. But, oh God, as he said, strengthen my hands. Here's the last point. Because he stood firm, and I'm, in, I'm giving you a warning in advance. See what fun we have to look forward to? <laughs> Encouragements, honorable mentions, thank God for those, and expect some of the opposition because you can't go forward with God and not have it. In fact, my wife and I have an expression called confirmation by opposition that you're on the right track sometimes when it gets weird. <laughs> so he stands firm, and here's the result. So the wall was completed on the 25th of the month, Elul, in 52 days. This wasn't half. This was the whole wall. Isn't that awesome? And it came about when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations surrounding us saw it. They lost their confidence, for they recognized that this work had been accomplished by our own Strength <laughs> by the help of our God. And all of God's people said amen, amen to that. Well, we got a great weekend to give thanks. I'm going to encourage you. If you haven't made up your mind to sign up and be part of the encouragers, to do so. And in the days ahead, I think there'll be times for us to uh, find our niche and uh, make our commitments. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to close in prayer. I'm going to wish you a wonderful Thanksgiving. And if I see you later today, I'll look forward to fellowshipping with you, right? As we feed people who will be coming our way uh, in the name of Jesus. God, thank you for the gathering of your saints. I don't take for granted, in light of what we're preaching about this morning, that we stand here safely today. Because we don't even have a guarantee that that might remain. But we do bless you, God, today for the freedom we have to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we do pray in Jesus' name that you would help us put brick upon brick and that beyond the physical labor, you would help us guard our hearts so that we are on the honorable mention side and never on the dishonorable. We plead for your glory. We plead for your joy to be our strength. And we'll thank you for helping us. Bless our day. Put your angels around your people. I always ask that, Lord, that you would grant us safety, never to be taken for granted, and help us be hearing your spirit, ministering to us and calling us in the weeks ahead. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you.